name of Jesus, let your word come. Wash your children. Wash your house. Strengthen your house. Envision your people, oh God. Deposit of yourself in us today. In Jesus' name, we thank God. Amen. Let's just give God a clap offering. I want to lift his name up. He is God and he is good. Hallelujah. Amen. I'd like for um, uh, the first scripture to put up. It's 1 John 3, verse 1 to 3. And here is a statement that is it's a phenomenal statement. And I want us just to read it together. It says, Behold, what manner of love. Let's read it together. Don't leave me alone. Don't leave me hanging, man. <laughs> it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to be like him. Imagine that. When we meet him, when he is revealed, you and I will be like him. Hallelujah. I was so blessed with the scripture. I wanted to open with it and to give, give us um, a pre-context, if there's such a word. Um, we're going to talk about some, some things that God had in mind uh, as he made man. Some things he had in mind as he built the church. What the church is supposed to represent. Uh, the, some of the values of the church to God and what you represent to God and your part in it. So let's go to Matthew 25 verse 1 to 13. It's a long scripture. But we're going to read it very, very quickly. You all know it. It's the parable of the, of the, um, the wise and foolish virgins. Uh, let's read it very quickly together. It says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And in, at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. For our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, 
Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Hallelujah. Amen. The key observations in this scripture, number one, they were all chaste virgins. So to me, it's not speaking of people out in the world, people who are not yet received the gospel. It is speaking of people who have received the gospel and have applied themselves to be pure. Amen? They've applied themselves to be pure. But the question is this. Was being pure enough? Was it enough for them? Being pure was not enough. There was another level of requirement. And that level of requirement was wisdom. The wisdom to wait. Wisdom to expect the return of the Lord. Wisdom to have enough. So no, long, no matter how long it takes for him to come, you'll be ready. No matter how long it takes, you'll be ready. No, I, I, I am saddened by what I see in some of today's Christendom. The way church has begun, some churches have begun to be perceived as money grabbing, as, it's, it's almost as if we be, they've become so greedy. That it's, it's almost as though they're, they're trying to satisfy a certain greed. And we kind of, they kind of excuse that by saying, you know, we've got to be prosperous. The world has got to see prosperity so they know that Christians can also be prosperous. I, I don't see that here. Do you? I don't see that here. I see here a bunch of people expecting and anticipating the return of the Lord. Let us read Revelations, the scripture in Revelations that would also help to contextualize this for us. Revelations 19, verse 7 to 9. We're jumping to the end of the book to see what, what's going to happen. What is all this about? What are we looking to get? And let's read very quickly. It says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. The marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen was the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. This sort of hooks into this parable, the parable we just read, about an invitation to the marriage feast of the Lamb. And he said, blessed are those who are invited. Because all the virgins were invited, all ten of them. But only five were ready, were prepared. And the other five who were left out felt that they had a right to come in. So they were asking Jesus, 
Oh, Lord, boss, we're here. Open the door. And then Jesus makes an astonishing comment. He says, go away. He says, I never knew you. I mean, well, that, that sounds very harsh. He says, I never knew you. But these were vir- chaste virgins. They were pure. They were clean. But that was not enough. That wasn't enough. What helped the five who made it was that they were clean, but they also lived a certain way which anticipated the perhaps overdue or prolonged return of the Lord. We are in an age we've been expecting Jesus to return for a very long time. Do you know that in the first, the early church, they lived as though he was coming. That was 2,000 odd years ago. They lived like he was coming. Like he was going to come anytime. And brethren, I put it to you and I encourage you. This is how we need to live. This is how we need to live our every day. Like he's coming any day. Because that is how you prepare for his return. He may not come tomorrow. He may not come the day after, but he's coming. So you live in anticipation of his return. These are some of the things that kept those people, the early church. It kept them in all the tribulations they went through. It kept them. They were very careful about their lives. Some of them, some of the death that they died was just horrendous. Some were sawn in two with a saw because of their faith in God. Some were crucified upside down because they felt, you know what? I'm going to meet him. I can't go and stand before him and he and I share the same kind of death. It doesn't compute. Please, if you're going to crucify me, hang me upside down. So they hung them upside down. Some of them were put on poles and lit like torches, lit on fire, burning like torches. We don't have to go through that today. We don't. But we have to live the same way that they lived if we want to make it. If we want to be wise, we have to apply their wisdom. If we want to last, we have to apply their stickability, their wisdom in making it. Amen? Amen. I think I've dwelt on this part a bit longer. I feel a bit passionate about it. Um, I think that if we all lived like that, a lot of the rubbish we see today will not be. It will not be. Amen. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 27. As a precursor to this, I just want to say that God uses the natural things of our world, our living, to illustrate certain spiritual truths, all right? He uses things like parenting, how we raise our children. He uses that for us to understand what kind of a father he is, the responsibility that comes as you parent a child, the, 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 the bond and the passion that comes as 
your child is becomes your responsibility. And here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to um, 27, Paul uses marriage to demonstrate something to us. And we will dive into that. But I just want us to read this first, and then we're going to dive into that aspect of it. He says, wives, submit yourselves, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Let's keep going. Husbands, love your wives just as Jesus, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Can we just do the next verse, 28? So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Next verse. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Amen. Here, Paul is teaching the church. And he uses a relationship that exists between Christ and the church to parallel the relationship between the husband and the wife. Question is this. If you say to somebody, submit, are you saying to the person, you are here, but bring yourself here? Is that what you're saying? When it says submit, the person is at a higher level, and you're saying, make yourself lower. Isn't that right? Submission is a voluntary thing that a person chooses to do. You with me? So when Paul says to the, the wives, he says, submit yourself to your, your own husband, not any man, just your husband. Outside of the marriage, you're equal. Yeah? But when you step into the marriage, God says, wife, submit to your, your husband. Even as the church, just like the church has to submit to Christ, so wife, submit to your own husbands. Then he lays a charge on the man, on the husband. He says, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So before the wife can submit to the husband, the husband 
has to demonstrate a certain sacrificial nature. The husband has got to be willing to do what Christ did for the church. In other words, die for your wife. That is a taller order for the man than it is for the wife. But that is the cost of leadership. I'm saying this because a lot of us are going to get married. You're hoping to get married. And I'm sharing this together with everything else I'm going to share to help bring some understanding, some context in your meditations. Before you choose a man to be your husband, are you sure that he will live sacrificially for you? Are you sure? Be sure. No, be sure. Be very sure. You see, because the, when Adam and Eve were created, first God makes Adam. And he takes Adam through a whole heap of schooling. Then he brings Eve on the scene. They marry. They're together. God puts them together. If anybody should have succeeded, it should have been those two. If anybody should have come out with flying colors, it should have been those two. God visits you every day. You have fellowship with God. I mean the presence of God. And I mean the presence of God in their lives was so dynamic that even after they sinned, they could still feel his presence. When he came, they knew he'd come and they ran to hide. Even after they sinned. Yet, they failed. And we're going to look into some of the reasons why they failed. Let's jump to um, Genesis chapter. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. I want us to look at uh, verse 18 to 24. I'm just going to try and break this down as much as I can. And just take this walk with me. Genesis 2, verse 18 to 24. And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to all the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Let's just pause there. Just going to break a few things down. First of all, God makes Adam. He teaches him submission to God as his father, as his source. Adam, let's say he wakes up. He's been created brand new, fresh from the oven. Fresh, smelling fresh. And the first thing he sees is father. 
First thing he sees, Father. As his only source. As his only port of call. Nowhere else can he go. But to this amazing being that has created him. Then, God takes him to school. God starts creating the creatures, the birds, the animals. And Adam, Adam is watching this now. He's creating these things, and Adam is watching. Wow. How'd you, how'd you do it? Wow, how? And he does it, he creates them all. And then he comes to Adam and says, Adam, what would you call this one? And because Adam is made in the image of God, he has a depth of wisdom that enables him to name them. And it enables him to discern that these are lower than me. This is not enough for me. So he names them all. And then he finishes and it says, there wasn't one suitable for him. So God says, it's not good that a man should be alone. But, um, and so he goes on to create woman, which will be in the next verses. But there was a lesson in this order of creation that I'd like for us to observe, which is this. You know the saying, you don't know what you're missing, what you have until it's gone, until it's not there. You don't know the value of what you have until it's not there. So God teaches Adam the value of Eve by having her absent. Absent from the scene. So Adam picks up a void. He, he realizes a void, a lacking. So God puts him to sleep. Let's move on to the next verse. God puts him to sleep. So then the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Next verse. Then the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So Eve is on the scene now. Eve is appreciated. But remember this. Eve was not there when Adam was having all those fantastic experiences with God. When God was creating and God, Adam was naming, Adam was expressing his authority in creation, Eve was not present. Was she? No. Eve shows up and everything was ready. Everything was ready. It's a bit like church today. You know, you walk into a church and everything is ready. You were not there when there was only two people. Or three people. There was no keyboard player. There was no drummer. There, there was nothing. It was just you and perhaps your children. But you walk in and everything is ready. And when you walk into something that's ready, you can, it, the temptation 
to assimilate and become just like what you just entered is very great. True or false? So your, your brother, your sister sitting next to you, you have no idea what life they live. But because they come here, you assume they're okay. They're okay. They're one of the ten virgins. True or false? They're pure. Oh, they're Christians. Whatever he suggests, you know, it must be okay. Not necessarily so. Because even just purity is not enough to get you through. Even being a chaste virgin is not enough to get you through. There has to be a connection between you and your maker. That is unshakable. There has to be a connection between you and your savior. That is forged in life. Forged in your life experiences with him. Forged in the testings that you've gone through with him. And the victories that you've gone through with him. If I were to open the pulpit and say, different ones come and share the challenges you've been through. Some of us will be in tears when we hear some people's stories. How far God brought them. But they're sitting next to you and you don't know what they've been through. So if all we do is clap hands like they clap hands, dance like they dance, say hallelujah like they say hallelujah, it will not be enough. You have to live your life expecting the return of God and for you to be ready to go with him. You have to. That's the only way, brother and sister, you're going to make it. That's the only way you're going to make it. You see, because Paul says something. He says, though things may be lawful, not all things are expedient. In other words, there are certain things that I could do. But for the sake of others, I, can't, I won't do it. But not everybody lives like that. The fact of the matter is, some people, not, not here, before they arrived, he's probably had a blazing row with with his partner before they got here. And when they get here, reality hits. Oh, I shouldn't be like that. I shouldn't, oh Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And oh Lord, let's connect, let's connect, let's connect. But I'll leave you and go do the same thing again. You can't live your life like that. Some people, perhaps last night, they slept together. And then they turn up and they're blending with everybody else. You can't live your life like that. If you are expecting God to come and take you with him and not shut the door, some things have to leave your life. Certain things have to leave your life. Nobody runs from a fire like this. Nobody. 
In fact, somebody, I saw this joke one time. Um, I think it was Cedric the Entertainer talking about how blacks run away from <laughs> from disasters when the others are going to, hey, what's, what's going on? What's going on? I said, the black is just, just legging it the other way. <laughs> legging it the other way. <laughs> you have to live your life like you're running away from something. You've weighed up life and you know if I don't run away from this thing, it will bring me down. You see, I don't know that Eve lived her life that way. Because if a beautiful serpent turns up and says to you, Oh, Eve, this thing that God says you mustn't eat, it's nice, oh. It's, it's nice. In fact, if you eat it, you'll be like him. And she eats it. Knowing full well that God says don't. If anything, if anything, bro, why don't you just wait till the evening and ask him, Lord, you know, today I had a visitor. He said, if I eat this thing, I will be like you. Just wait a few hours and check with the boss. Friend, if you don't live your life like you're running from fire, you will allow certain things in your life that will cost you. It will cost you. And if you give your affection to certain things that take a higher precedence over God, it will cost you like it cost Adam. Adam, son of God. You were there when the mud turned into cow and you called it cow. You saw it moving. You saw these great creatures. You named them. You woke up from the dirt and you saw a being that had just given you life. Created another life out of you. Your wife comes and gives you what you shouldn't eat. Certain affections will cost you greatly if you entertain them in your life. Let it simmer. Certain friendships will shut the door in your face without you knowing you find out when it's too late. Whereas there are other kinds of friendships that will keep the door wide open. Wide open. They're the wise friendships. The ones that propel you into his presence, propel you into his nature. You become more and more and more like him. 
those are the kinds of friendships you should chase and nurture. A friend, if you have a friend and all they can talk about is the latest movie, the latest thingy, they are still your friend. But you need to find more friends. I'm telling you. <laughs> you need to find friends who put the fear of God in you. Hey, we all go, we all go awful. We all lose it every now and then. Just because I'm pastor doesn't mean I don't lose it. Everybody has a weak moment, even Jesus. Listen, if Satan didn't think he stood a chance to get him to fall, he wouldn't bother tempting. In fact, when he tried and he failed, Bible says he left for a more opportune time. He waited till the man was weak. Weak. Then he brought the beautiful proposal to him. Oh, you know, just fall down and worship me. You know, you see all this? He op- he, how he opened Jesus' eyes to see what Jesus saw. The systems of the world that he had orchestrated and engineered. How the world ticks. Imagine opening a car engine and seeing x-ray vision. How everything ticks. How his kingdom works. How everything hangs together. He opened Jesus' eyes to look at it. He says, I will give it to you. Just, just bow down and worship me. And the guy was weak. It was a weak point in his life. But he stood on the word of God. And he shook it off. For you and I. He what? He shook it off. For you and I. There was a vision on his heart that he had to fulfill. And that vision, in fact, because of time, I'm going to jump. I wish I had more time to really delve into this. But let's, I'm going to jump to it. This, there's something that God has been building for a long time. And that thing is called the Bride of Christ. The bride of Christ and this wedding feast of the Lamb that we, we, we looked at. Putting Adam and Eve together as family, as husband and wife, was actually meant to be speaking about that closing event. Adam and Eve were meant to be husband and wife, live as husband and wife in God. And through that, every child that comes after them understands this whole thing about bride and bridegroom, how they're supposed to live together, how the church, how humanity relates to God. You see, husbands and wives, let me give you a little bit of advice. I'll start with the wives. Wife or fiancé, or fiancé-to-be. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Before you say yes to the man, be willing to honor him. Be willing to respect him the way God wants you to. Not that he deserves it. He may not deserve it. 
But your part in this whole scenario is to speak of that day. Is to speak of that wedding that's coming in Revelations. How do you do that if you don't respect him? How do you do that if you don't submit yourself to him as God requires? You cannot do that. And when you step out of that, you're living your own way. You're living with your own wisdom. Do you understand? It may be in the permissible will of God. It may not be. I won't judge. I'll let God judge. But if you want to please God in your living as a wife or wife-to-be, be prepared to submit yourself to your own husband. Be prepared to respect him. Because Paul tells us in Ephesians, he says, respect your husbands. Husband, before you say yes to that woman, be prepared to die for her. I'm serious though. That means don't be going to her house at 11 o'clock at night when you have needs. Let the needs die. Can you see how you die for her? Can you see it? You die for her. <laughs> Time's really against us. But all this, we, all we do in living like that is we're speaking of the return of the Lord. The coming of... Can you imagine, Pastor Aisha, if all our marriages were like that? Can you imagine? The kind of children we raise the kind of insight into life they would have. The strength, stability that they would have. A lot of us are coming from homes where we come from, you stupid boy. <laughs> some, of, some of us are told, not me, but some of us are told, you never amount to anything. Some of us, we lived in homes where our mothers were beaten, insulted. Abused. We live in homes where the children were abused. That was our life experience. Growing up. Some of us were abandoned. And all these things are ploys of the enemy to destroy the image of that day that is coming. He's been working hard. Hard. To destroy it. Even in the days of Malachi. God says. How you've been unfaithful to the, the wife of your youth. He says I have an issue with you. I put you together so you would. In your holy matrimony. You would raise up holy children unto me. That was God's intention. But the enemy fought against it. Undermined it. My friend. Be careful what philosophy you allow into your head. Be careful with ideologies that they come with the new philosophies and it's so trendy. Be careful. It destroys things that are meant for eternity. Because of time. 
I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Um, I'd like to invite, uh, throughout an invitation, as you, as you hear this word, as you hear about the return of the Lord and your part in it, I want to invite us to make a fresh commitment. Perhaps it's been the furthest thing from your mind. I do know, personally, there are times in my life where it's the furthest thing from my mind. I don't know how it happens. Maybe it's the birds of the air, the fowls of the air picking it. I don't know. But I should be living my life every day, conscious of the fact that that day is coming. That day is coming. And Bible says all those who have that hope, they purify themselves. So if in your life you notice there's impurities, it's because that thing is not in your mind. It's not on your heart. And if it's not on your heart and your mind, you are at risk of becoming like a foolish virgin and not being ready for that day. So I want to invite different ones. You don't have to stand. You can sit down. You can do whatever, however, whatever posture works for you. I just want us to pray. Just rededicate yourself to God. Perhaps you're here, you don't, you've never met God. You, know, you don't know God. Never crossed your mind that you know, such a day is coming where the time, the clocks will stop. I'll have to give an account for my life. I'll either enter or I'll be rejected. But today, you want to make sure that you enter. That you make it. You're making a commitment to the Lord. So I want to live for you. No matter what anybody and everybody else does, as for me, I want to live for you. And for my house, we will live for you. If that is you, feel free to stand up, raise your hand, bow your head, and let's just pray. If you're here, you want to make a commitment. Rededicate yourself. Perhaps you've allowed certain things to creep into your life. Life has become so busy. So busy. That such things are like the furthest thought from your mind. I want you to make a fresh commitment to what really matters. What really matters, my brother and my sister, is that you make it. You make it. Whether rich or poor, you make it. You make it. Whether with a lot of friends or not, you make it. You make it. That is what matters. Whether married or not, you make it. You make it. Hallelujah. Purify my heart. Let me be as and precious silver purify my heart let me be as gold pure gold refine as fire my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, 
set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. I choose to be, I choose to be. Choose to 